You know, Vince, I'm the heartbreak dog, the WWF Intercontinental Champion. I am a man of my word. I am the champion of my word. I will defend my Intercontinental Championship against anyone, anywhere, anytime, Vince. Wait, Vince, who's this hoodlum walking around the ring? Wait, Vince, why isn't your security guards getting this guy? Did I hear you say anytime, anywhere, against anyone? Wait, Heartbreak what? dog. B- Beverly? Yeah, that's right. It's me, Beverly Hills. Where do you I come from? I challenge you to a podcast showdown right here tonight on <laughs> Main Event Status Radio. But, but Vince, where did he come from? From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard. Pastry, Minnesota, New Dalton, Maine, Event, Status, Radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, 90210, and the Dirty Dog Podcasting from the intersection of Sunset Boulevard in Bad Street, Minnesota, you're listening to main event status radio i am <laughs> well i am the dirty dog darcy i don't know who's tooted tutor who are you the mr beverly hills 9021 <laughs> why are you so tooty fruity beverly <laughs> i don't know man it's just fun Oh, gosh, we have an early run-in from Mrs. Beverly Hills asking about why I'm making so many <laughs> farting noises out here. Did you just wake up Mrs. Beverly Hills from, I, from her nap? I did. I woke, I woke her up with all of my fart noises. <laughs> Be kind. Please rewind your fart. <laughs> all right, okay. I'll, I'll, cut the, I'll cut the fart noises <laughs> to make everybody happy. Please have some <laughs> heart. Don't fart. <laughs> All right, and on that note, let's get rolling here. Yeah, obviously, welcome guys for uh, listening and downloading the podcast. This is obviously Main Event Status Radio, and uh, this week we're talking about WWE. Sorry, I'm excited. We are talking about WWF Monday Night Raw from May seventeenth, nineteen ninety three, episode seventeen of of Raw, I suppose. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I picked this episode partly because of the main event match that, that is on deck for the night. Marty Jannetty challenging Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. But before that, the show opened with the classic WWF Raw intro. Oh, so yeah, we are finally back to the Manhattan Center in New York City, which I can pronounce. <laughs> and Vince McMahon welcomes us to Monday Night Raw. And who is with him at the color booth tonight? He's got Macho and he's got uh, Bobby in a... What's he, he's wearing orange this week. He's still in his Raw jumpsuit. So I did notice that Macho Man's attire was the Raw colors. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is actually... I could actually deal with this one. At least kind of had like a a pattern to it. It wasn't just 
flowers and stuff. Or polka dots. Yeah, or polka dots. Then, yeah, they talked about the Special Olympics, Razor Ramon, Tatanka, Kamala versus Yokozuna, and Shawn Michaels is there for a special interview. Yeah, I, you know, I like the opening. I really liked the Special Olympics thing. I think the Special Olympics are an awesome just thing in general, and it's cool that Macho and the smoking guns were at it. So, so before we go more into the show, I do want to talk to you about something we haven't talked about yet, which I think appeared at almost all the Raw episodes that we reviewed so far. Okay. I want to talk about the Raw card gals. Oh, all right. Okay. What's your thoughts about them? Well, I don't know. I mean, they're nothing that's, like, integral to the episode, but it's all right. I, I will refer see i was gonna refer to the card gals a little later on in the evening i know i I think you and i may wrote on the same note (laughs) we shall see we shall see but i want to say that they were absolutely beautiful (laughs) well i'm glad you thought so i wish They're, they're extremely 1993 in their dress that's for sure. I wish the VidMac would bring them back, Jack. Oh, my. Maybe the same ones. How about that? Especially the one who I'll Razor try to hit on later. Oh, okay. The bigger guy, huh? Bertha Faye <laughs> always be mine. Oh, my God. You're the rainbow I pray I find. Okay. I'm a good job. Okay, Lord Alfred Hayes is backstage, but before we go there, we see a video package with Shawn Michaels from <laughs> Shawn Michaels' ROM the week prior. Shawn Michaels from the week prior where Mr. Perfect attacked him outside the building and smashed into Howard Finkel's rental vehicle. Oh, that was Howard Finkel's rental vehicle? Yeah, I guess we found out oh, about that. <laughs> like. Like a t- couple decades later, that was you know, Howard Finkel's rent- rent- rental vehicle. Oh, that was cool. That's and, interesting. I didn't know that. You know, Howard Finkel didn't know about that until after they was taped. Oh, funny. <laughs> we'll be about and, the insurance. Yeah, I know. Then yeah, then we go back to Lord Alfred Hayes, and he told us that he saw somebody in disguise sneaking into Raw, and we'll be surprised on who it will be. Love it. Dun, we dun, should. dun. <laughs> Then we go to the first opening match. Okay, we got the smoking guns back again. On making another another appearance on main event status. Facing off against Glenn Ruth and Tony Vajda. Yeah, something like that, Uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, as much as you and I don't like the smoking guts, I swear they are the main event status stars of main event status radio. They're on like every time. I think they've been on almost all the episodes we've done. Why are we such suckers for punishment, Beverly? I don't know. Why don't we just look at the match listings before we pick them? Yeah, we probably should have. That would probably be a better better idea because the first note i have for this match is i hate the gimmick of this gun shooting off their guns and all <laughs> why is that it's just silly okay. howard finkel uh, thought he was being shot at i know he doesn't even announce glenn ruth and tony varda or whatever, because his, he's, whatever his name is yeah because he's running out of the ring yeah so you you know who glenn ruth is right no 
Thrasher from the oh, Headbangers. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Guess you didn't mosh his way through all these things yet. Huh? No, my, no, mosh. I don't. I don't even think mosh is wrestling yet, or he's there. Well, obviously they're not together yet. But yeah, Glenn Ruth was a few years off, and you know he wrestled a long time, maybe from the late '80s, and was doing this like jobber stuff, and then eventually made his way to the. You know, a gimmick that got him a tag team championship and everything. So, and we also noticed that with another jobber from, from tonight yep. later right. on. So, yes, exactly. Okay, what I wrote down the first move was from Bart Gunn to Tony was a schoolboy. Yeah, okay, I wish the match would have ended right there. <laughs> well, I think Tony did too because right after that, he got out of the rig and he didn't get back in. <laughs> I don't. I, I, if I was Tony, I would just walked off and got counted out. <laughs> Did you notice that both the jobbers were in the famous jobber striped singlets? Yes, it made me smile. <laughs> so I did write write down that one of Bobby's lines. Okay, what do you got? He he questioned: Is there a rodeo going on next door, or is that the smoking guns I smell in here? Okay. Yes, it, it made me laugh out loud, too. When what what was your thoughts? Rodeo or Smoking Gun Stink? I question if the Smoking Guns are related to Bastion Booger. Oh, my. Since, Bast- since last episode that we covered, how, how Macho was saying that he's happy this isn't smell vision You got it. So... I wrote down a few different moves. I wrote that Billy did a nice flying clothesline to Glenn. And then after that, both the guns got in and did a really sloppy double Russian leg sweep to uh, Glenn. Did you see that one? Wouldn't it be a double American leg sweep? I suppose, huh? Yeah, they they both had trouble like getting his arms around their head, and then they fell at different rates. It was it was pretty bad. That was a, one of the one of the worst ones for those two. Was it what? me, or did what? the crowd seem like they weren't interested in this match? Yeah, I, I don't know. Was this the one where, like, kind of in the middle, they just started like cheering for something else? It seemed. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I got a macho line to hear him go, yeah, the only exercise you get is from jumping to conclusions. <laughs> Macho's a great philosopher, what can I say? He he really is, he really is. <laughs> Billy was uh, really working the elbows in this match, and a lot of elbow and knee drops, and he was, he was going to work. He, he was trying to earn his paycheck tonight, at least. Billy, what's his name? No, Billy Gunn. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, the finish came when the smoking guns hit a cool but scary-looking pile driver. That could have ended so wrong. I agree because, um, yeah, so what happens is Billy does a back body drop and then Bart catches him and pile drives him. You know, he almost didn't catch him. And if he, did, you know, he needs to to really like kind of stop his momentum. And I don't know, they didn't use this move for an extremely long time. And you can, or for like for a super long time. And you can totally tell why. Yeah. Cause yeah. When, yeah. When that happened, I, I was afraid that, yeah, I can't, I don't watch job where they pile. Yeah. That, that looked pretty scary. I was afraid that they might've broke his neck. 
it was it was all Glenn. Remember Tony got out of there after the the school boy never came back in. I guess they were trying to bane his head. Yes, they oh you got it, brother. Or what's your rating on this one? <laughs> one one hundredth of a star. Oh my. I want to rate this a dud, but I want to rate it close to it. One one hundredth of a star. Because I found, um, because I found this match to be boring. <laughs> I will give it three quarters of a star. I am happy that we're back to the normal main event status ratings. I I don't yeah I don't think we'll ever really deviate from it much. Well, we did last week. I know. I'm just saying from this point on. Then we go to a commercial for WWF Mania, which Todd Pettengill put over. Yep. The but the only thing I noted from this is at the end of it, Bobby goes, "I don't like Todd Pettengill." <laughs> oh, Bobby. Well, talk about Bobby. Uh, I know you don't listen to many podcasts, but by chance did you hear that Tony Schiavone was on the Ross Report this past week with Jim Ross? I did hear that. I did not listen to it, but I heard that he was on. Okay, because I did listen to it last night at work, and Tony Schiavone talked a little bit about Bobby Heenan. What did he say? And Tony said that he is kicking himself for, for I guess, not, you know, he's kicking himself for, Crap, I just try to think of how he worded it. He is he feels bad for the way Bobby feels about him. Or I, you know, in interviews how Bobby put out you know, stated that he hated Tony Schiavone. Okay. And Tony is kicking himself for putting out vibes and such to make Bobby hate him. And Tony, oh, okay. So he's he's kind of owning that, like saying he did the things that made Bobby not like him. Yeah, and he said that you know originally when Bobby came into WCW when those two were at the announcers' booth, that they they got along just fine and all that. Then, like right on the time Bobby got sick, they ran into each other, and Bobby said, "Yeah, here's my number. Give me a call sometime." And Tony said, "Yeah, I'll call you." And never did. Oh, okay. So Tony's like, yeah, he's taking full blame for the things that he did to piss Bobby off. Oh, interesting. And all that. And it was just an interesting listen and cool to hear Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone chatted up and all that. For sure. The two voices of the Attitude Era, basically. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was very, very cool to hear Tony Schiavone on the Ross Report for like an hour and a half. Cool. Then uh, we must well go back to the show, and we come back to Bobby and Macho talking for a bit, and they send us to Mr. McMahon in the ring. Who do, welcomes- the th- do the thing, Vince McMahon in the ring. How do you like that? And we're here to welcome the WWF Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. Before Shawn comes out, I just love this guy. That's kind of like in the middle, right behind the ring. He's got this sweet shirt. It's yellow, and it says Bob Backlund, world champion, on it. I wonder. I wonder if he got that shirt from like the during the early eighties. M- must have, or or it was you know referring to that because he hadn't yet won it again. Or he's preluding that Bob Backlund will win the <laughs> well, WWE championship. Be, that would be impressive. He must be a time traveler. I guess. Dun dun dun. <laughs> anyway, yeah, then uh, McMahon, once uh, the Shawn Michael man got into the ring, uh, the Vidmac wanted to know why Mr. Perfect attacked him last week, and Shawn blew him off. <laughs> so 
Sean said that he is a man of his word. He won the Intercontinental title, and he will defend it against anyone and everyone, and he's been back, and he will always back up his word. Sean said that he was the best in the World Wrestling Federation. will defend the title anywhere, anytime, against anyone. Anybody, yep. Then somebody in a hood walked around the ring and got in the ring, and a cameraman followed him. <laughs> he was in such, like, 1993 garb. He's got, it's like a flannel. So all this is connected, but it's like a flannel vest, T-shirt arms of a different color, and then it's got a hood on, too. I definitely had one of those, and it had a picture of the Looney Tunes on the back. Yeah, then Sean told that guy to sit down in the seat, and Sean acted surprised when the man unhooded himself and revealed that it was Marty Jannetty. You got it. All I, challenged him. all I had to say is, look at Marty's mullet. <laughs> it was good. Well, he, there were two great mullets in that ring between Marty and Sean. Yes. Then, yeah, then, like you said, uh, Mar- Marty challenged Michaels for the Intercontinental title later on in the night, and Vince McMahon, the play-by-play man, announced the match. Mm-hmm, yep. I always wondered why Vince McMahon had the stroke back then to make matches. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I always accepted just that, like, matches could be made. I don't know. I always thought it was weird once, like, GMs and stuff started becoming a thing. I thought just, like, whatever, you just made a match, and that's what happened. Fair enough, Fair enough I guess. Also, yeah, Vince was uh, was a voice behind Raw, so I guess it makes, you know, sense. That, you know, yeah, we tune in to Raw every week, and Vince is a... Uh, Vince is the voice of Monday Night Raw, so no big deal, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So I know. I guess you know. Obviously, look. You know, in 2014, I was looking back to 1993. Kind of scratched my head, like, you know, right, yeah, we know Vince is the owner, like, you know, but then you know he wasn't. Well, well I know if he wasn't well known that Vince was the owner. Sure. Now, yeah. That's, that's not on storyline wise. He wasn't. Vince wasn't known as the owner. Right. I don't think so. So yeah, that's why I maybe kind of scratch my uh, scratch my head on why Vince pretty much announced that the match is going to happen. <laughs> sure. When Sean didn't want to fight him. Yeah. Well, he he just I think he was just saying that like since Sean said that he would. Oh, so, yeah, makes sense, son. To it. Then we go to a commercial break and we come back and the kid is in the ring waiting for his opponent. Hey yo. <laughs> You and while, while while Razor was coming out, um, Macho goes, Marty Jannetty did the thing. <laughs> so I don't know. Where he always, he's been saying do the thing. Apparently do the thing means like challenge someone for the Intercontinental title. I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> and you don't know why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And Razor Ramon? was walking up the ring steps and he opened up his vest to the overweight rock car gal trying to tell her that he and her should hook up Jack. Are you sure that's what he was going for? Well, that's what I assumed. (laughs) I don't know. I think you may be reading a little too much into Razor's interactions. Well, it made made me laugh, at least. (laughs) 
I really love how uh, you just turned your video camera on, flipped it around to where your iPad was, <laughs> just pointing out, then you turn it off, then you turn your video video back on. Nice beard. Thank you. <laughs> then we might as well go into the Kid versus Razor Ramon. And I write, did write down that I wrote down the whole match. I think I almost did too. Um, I like that kids, well I think it's funny, that kids trucks say L kid. Well, because I know he was going for going as like the lightning kid Light. for a while, and the cannonball kid. Yeah, what they call the hard luck kid? They said he went by. And so yeah, this week he's just going as the kid. Yeah. So yeah, right away Razor put o- over his strength over the kid, you know, pushing him to the ground. Is that a Dr. Pepper? You got it. And uh, yeah, Razor, <laughs> Razor, yeah, showed off his strength, pushed the kid to the ground, and all that. And right away, kid got went to the corner, and uh, Razor chopped him and threw him out of the corner. Right, those are two good chops I wrote down too. Yeah, showing off his strength, and he's the big man against the <laughs> yeah. little man. <laughs> then after that, Razor picked him up and put him in an ab stretch. Abdominal stretch yep. and picked up one of his legs to add the extra torque. Right. Which was the thumbnail for this Monday Night Raw. Yes, it was. I know. I noticed that, too, when he was doing it. I was like, oh, that's the picture. Then uh, Razor hit him with a fall-away slam, which was beautiful. Yeah, it was really well done. Star-studded fall-away slam. I, I couldn't think of the name of that. I just said... To, I, I don't know why I couldn't think of it. I wrote, Razor catches the kid and does a nice overhead throw thing. <laughs> it's a, what a maneuver. <laughs> For me, it was. <laughs> then Razor whipped him into the turnbuckle, tried to chase him. The kid ducked. <laughs> Razor went face first into the turnbuckle. The kid ran to the top rope, hit a moonsault, and got the three count upset. Right. And I was glad that they didn't do, like,. <laughs> A roll-up. I feel like that's just too... When they do, like, fluky finishes or whatever, I think that's done too much. So I like that Kid actually did a move to finish him off, you know? It gives him some credibility there. It's not just, like, he rolled him up or whatever. Yeah, plus, like, the moonsault, too, you know, him ducking out a razor, away from razor, and run up to the top rope and hitting the moonsault. I feel like that was a great way to stun... Razor and the fans, and do, mm-hmm. do a quick yeah, get a quick one two three, right, and, and then uh, sprint it out of the arena, which which I don't blame him for. <laughs> it's true, yeah, I'd probably be scared too. I rated this match two stars. Well, two and a half for me, because you know, granted, this was pretty much a squash match, but this is one of the most famous matches from the early Raw history, and especially with the major upset. You know, I can't write. I I had a tough time rate, rating this match any lower than what I did. Right, me too. I I in this really the same boat. I was, um, you know, I liked it a lot. I know that there really wasn't like a lot going on there, so it's not like you can say that. Uh, Meow. Say that you know that it was like a perfect match by any means. It was it was pretty short, but everything that they did was really good. So I don't know. That's why I went two and a half. I liked everything they did. I'm happy you switched the camera back to you, Beverly. <laughs> I had to mail your cat. 
<laughs> Sorry for the distraction. That was <laughs> another run-in this week. <laughs> then we go to uh, another match. The Native American Tantanka against Too Sexy Scott Taylor. Oh, wait, too Hot Scott Too Taylor. Hot. Yes, yeah. Too Hot Scott Taylor. Yeah, not quite yet. But he does, you know, he, I think maybe he's been quoted as always like, knowing that he wanted to be like that next level type of thing. And you can tell by his gear, he doesn't look like a jobber. He's got, you know, uh, professional looking tights and, you know, his hair isn't like super dumb or whatever. He looks like someone who could belong, you know, if not for being a little small, but still he looks like he could belong there. Yeah. Cause I did write down. It was a battle of the blue trunks match. Right. A match I always wanted to see. You know, to see who is more blue. Dabba dee, dabba die. Because I did write down that it was Scotty Too Hot and he looked super young in 1993. Yeah. But then again, the dirty dog did look pretty young in 1993 himself. Yeah, but you don't look as old as Scott Taylor does now. True. Uh, I did write down that there were some quick ex- exchanges, and Scotty was thrown down, or, or was thrown, yeah, thrown over the top rope to the outside. I wrote that down too. That was a huge bump that he took. Uh, Tatanka. Not only did he throw him outside, he threw him way up in the air, and he landed right on the mat. So that was a, g- a giant uh, drop from Scotty there. Then, uh, then, uh, you know, we did talk about this before. <laughs> I love your facial expression. I did write down Bobby's uh, toilet paper stats. Yep. And uh, how Bobby wrote, I, I wrote it down word for word pretty much. Okay, uh, three, go for it. This three, is your time. Three out of four people put their toilet paper on the roll from top down. 30% wrap it when they use it. 30% fold it. And forty percent crumple it. Now, Beverly, what do you do? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> don't make a don't make an arse out of yourself. Now, answer the question. No comment for you on the toilet paper front. No, actually, I don't know. Accommodation of all of them. Yes, I think it's no. I think I've been known to do all three. Yeah, because when you know when Bobby said that, I had to you know write all that down. I'm like. Trying to think about that for myself, too. Like, yeah, I think I'm a little bit of ball. All three. Yeah, I think I've been known to do all three. So whatever. So, whatever. <laughs> so uh, that's... Anyway. That's pretty much the only note that I took down for this match. Okay, I got a few more. Um, So, like, right during that... that we, and, you know, I'll go blue for a little bit. It was all just a big setup so that Bobby could be like, I guess that makes me a head... So you're supposed to say all oh, Bobby's shithead. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, Bobby. But um, so during this match, Tatanka is saying like this is for Bam Bam Bigelow. I noticed that. Um, were, they, were they feuding in this time? I'm not sure, if, or if they were setting it up or kind of going from there. I'm not exactly sure. And uh, yeah, so then Tatanka um, hits three chops, a couple slaps. Throws Scotty into the ropes, comes back with the, his Samoan drop for the win. What's the difference between a chop and a slap? Side hand versus overhand. 
That is why. And then you're here, the you're the historian of the I'll podcast. Show, I'll show you. I'll show you. Chop. Oh. Chop. Oh. Slap. Oh. Oh. Knife edge. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, yeah, I rated this match three one hundredths of a star. Wow. Only for Bobby stats. Oh my gosh. Okay, I rated it a star and a half. <laughs> then we go to the Mean Gene King of the Ring report. Yeah. How Did you see Mean Gene's tie? Uh, it was ridiculous. It had a school bus on it with kids in it. Do you want that tie for school? Uh, no, I think it looks foolish. I don't want any type of tie that looks like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Then yeah, me and Gene wanted to talk about the kid beating Razor Ramon in the Intercontinental title match for later in the night. Yep. Yeah, he, Yeah. this was kind of interesting. Usually the, um, like these King of the Ring reports or whatever, Royal Rumble, whatever was coming up, they're generally like, it's pretty obvious that they're pre-taped. And to be fair... This one probably was too, but it's cool that Mean Gene is commenting on the things that are happening like that night. Yes. Then, uh, yeah, then, yeah, then, yeah, the pay per view is on Sunday, the June 13th. And the WWF title match was Champion Hulk Hogan versus Yoko Zuna. <laughs> and the King of the Ring tournament was being put together still. Right. Well, they had six of the eight set up, and then they were going to do the last two that weekend. Because I wanted. Well, I guess, yeah, I'll talk about what I was going to bring up later for, during the Intercontinental title match. Then, uh, yeah, did you notice Gene was giving Bobby crap before the King of the Ring report was over? Yeah. What did, what did he say? Because I wrote what Macho said coming out of it, but what did Something Gene along say? the lines that Sherry has a hot for Bobby, which Bobby oh, admitted. Yeah, that's right. Gene asked Bobby if Sherry was going to put him in a head scissors. <laughs> yeah, and then Macho goes... How about a sunset flip? Yeah. Cause when I when I wrote down that Bobby yeah, well Bobby was asked Gene asked Bobby if <laughs> I'm sorry you put your face in the camera, that made me laugh. Yeah, Gene asked Bobby if Sherry was gonna put him in a head scissors, I wrote down dot 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 perverts. <laughs> yeah, you know what they're going for. Then we go to the next match of Kamala versus Yoko Zuma. My man Kamala, and I'm I'm being like totally serious. In the three matches that we've seen Kamala in, he's like totally changed my opinion of him. And I don't know, people can call me an idiot for thinking that Kamala is good or something, but man, like his 1983 work, it's got to be super underrated because I've basically loved everything he's done that we've seen within this, like, five-month time period. Like, I know, you know, yeah, with this match against Yokozuma and last week's episode that we reviewed it with him facing Michaels, he, I feel, granted it was more comedic than anything. Yeah. Still, he is great on lightening up the fans' moods. Yeah. And able to, you know, bring, you know, have the, Give the viewers at home and the fans in the arena a good time during sure. this match. Well, and every, every card needs that. You know, it's the, they always say, you know, the wrestling is the circus or whatever, and every circus needs each part, and you need some comedy, like, to make everything work. So, yeah, so Kamala 
Yeah, I, yeah. Same with you. That you know, Kamala. The few episodes that we've done with Kamala in it, that you started to change my opinion about him as well. Yeah, and this is what I was gonna. You were talking about the card gal. You talked about the card gal with Razor Ramon. I liked this one because it looks like Kamala likes the big gal. <laughs> he goes. He goes up the. Um, steps as she's coming down, he kind of looks at her, kind of gives her a look. I'm like, oh my gosh, Kamala's going to be in a love angle with the big card gal. So yeah, I did, I did write, out, write down that uh, Kamala came out, we went to a commercial break, came back from a commercial break, <laughs> went to another commercial, uh, <laughs> put over Echo Pro with Tatanka, and yep. another commercial with Slim Jim with the Macho Man. Right. Poor Kamala. And when we come back and show that Kamala was... Very confused by Yokozuna's pre-match rituals. Yes. Yeah, I wrote down yeah, that Kamala seems super confused when Yoko was doing a sumo dance ritual thing. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And then, uh, this, uh, yeah, this match was a lot better than I expected it to be, having two fatties fighting one another. <laughs> yeah, but they're both... I mean, at least Yokozuna's one of the best. I mean... Uh, Kamala is better than we thought, so. Well, especially as a face, he was a lot better than as a heel, because as a heel, he had to be slow and methodical and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, do you write any notes for this Oh, yeah, match? I got a bunch. I wrote a, a vast amount of notes. So, they st- first I want to say, how stupid are the fans for uh, chanting USA? Especially what we talked about last week. Kamal's clearly not from USA. Well, he technically is, but not. And Yokozuna clearly, supposedly isn't either. Two guys from the USA, but they're both portrayed as not being from the USA. Okay, so I wrote down, they start with a big belly bump. Now, before we go more into that. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. How how Kamal was built from Africa. Right. And Yokozuna was built from Japan. Right. If you had the option to be built from either Africa or Asia... Where do you want to be billed from? I don't know. I feel like I'd probably fit more like... Hmm, it'd probably be more believable if they said that I was billed from Africa. Yeah, same here. So I guess I, guess I could probably play that better. I guess, yeah, same here in the sense, you know, I walked to African Plains, man. Yeah. Uh, I can say that I'm from Africa. Yeehaw! At least you've been there. Yeah, I was only for three weeks. Anyway. Okay, so anyways, it starts with the the belly bump. They start running into each other. It looked good. I Yoko was Yoko was staggered twice. I wrote, and then Kamala um, does a a kick to him, a side kick, and then he does a few of the overhand chops to him. And uh, but then Yoko comes back and eventually knocks Kamala down with some. Uh, two-handed cross chaps. Then, then, yeah, Yokozuna won with a bonsai drop. Right, yep. F- Fuji interfered, pulled Kamala's foot, which led to a sidekick, like, almost like a super kick from Yokozuna. Uh, three big corner avalanches, and then a bonsai drop. Yeah, then Yokoz- yeah, Yokozuna won with a bonsai. I ready this match. One star. Oh my gosh, I wrote this two and four fifth stars. <laughs> I'm happy you're starting to get into the fractions like me, Jack. You got it, man. Now we go to a commercial for WWF All-American Wrestling on Sundays at noon with Bobby and Mean Gene. Right. Yep. 
Then we go to the Intercontinental Championship match, the main, uh, the main event of the match with Shawn Michaels with. He wasn't there. He wasn't? No. I wrote down this is before King there. of the Ring. He hadn't even debuted yet. As in Diesel Fuel. He was not there. Well, whatever. All I'll say, my Diesel Fuel for the podcast is. My Mellow Yellow. Awesome. Awesome. I had a rock out with the rockers, you know. Ooh, Dr. Pepper. Die, Dr. Pepper. And how Shawn Michaels without. Yes. Marty Gennetti. Yes. And I was going to mention this during the King of the Ring report, but I'll mention this now. And and, uh, kind of tied with uh, 1993 and with 2014 Beverly. You know, Hulk Hogan was the reigning. WWF champion during this Monday Night Raw. Yes. And he barely made TV appearances. Okay, yeah. Granted, well, this is a good thing. I thought of this too. I thought of this too, yeah. Yeah, granted, WWF only had a lot of one-hour shows, but, you know, compared to, uh, unlike now, and how um, I wanted to ask, what's the difference between Hulk Hogan being the WWF champion in 1993, not making many TV appearances, and Brock Lesnar being the WWE World Heavyweight Champion 2014 and not making that many TV appearances. So the big difference that I see, and now I wasn't like a a 100% viewer in 1993, but I tried to. The big difference is that Hulk Hogan is like non-existent on TV. You know, Brock Lesnar, so here's, and the big, I guess, sorry, let me back up. The biggest difference is Paul Heyman. You know, um, Hulk Hogan wasn't on, he wasn't doing videotape appearances, and he also didn't have anybody to speak for him wasn't Jimmy to Hart make his, those appearances for him. Wasn't Jimmy Hart his uh, manager at that time? He, he was, but he wasn't coming on TV. Fair enough. You know, like, they could have used him in the same way that they're using Paul Heyman, but I just, I don't know, I just think this is working so much better than what they did with Hogan. It was clear that he was on the outs, you know? Yeah, because I know, well, obviously back in the 80s and all that, they had superstars and such, and obviously that was pretty much all squash-heavy anyway. Right. And, yeah, just, you know, what I thought about that during the King of the Ring report, and, you know, the, I think just about every Raw episode that we watched, we saw the Intercontinental Champion either defend the title or make some kind of appearance on Monday Night Raw, and very, very rarely saw the WWF champion. Now, I mean, if memory serves, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Hulk Hogan was on TV between WrestleMania and some and King of the Ring. Yeah, because, well, I guess I, I don't haven't watched that many rounds from between WrestleMania 9 and King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. But I know I do remember Hogan being on the first few Raws, building up his return and him building up him and Beefcake against Money Incorporated at WrestleMania 9. Right, uh-huh. Yeah, he was on before WrestleMania. I don't know if he was on after. But yeah, then we might, I guess we might also, yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you both that and, and all right, that. It's a, it's a good question. I think they're doing a lot better this time, and I think they can extend Lesnar's reign a lot better than they did with Hogan. I just think Heyman adds a lot to it. I think they... I think Lesnar knows that he has to at least do 
uh, these like videotape packages and stuff. Um, and I think they're just a lot better, you know, better equipped to handle that too. How would you have redone Hogan's WWF title run in 93 then? Well, I mean, if, if he's going to do where he's not going to be there, I don't know. <laughs> like, I wish Fair I could use, using total hindsight. I wish I could just say he shouldn't have even been on TV because what's the point? If, or he shouldn't have even won it. Like, what's the point? If he's not going to be on it, then he's going to lose it his first time back. Why does he even win it? All they did was damage Yoko at WrestleMania by having him lose so quickly. Then should Hulk Hogan hold the title to SummerSlam and lose it to Bret Hart? No, because I, I really just think, like, in watching these 93 Raws, like, Yokozuna was the best thing going. You know, he's... He's the best character they got, maybe uh, outside of Kamala. <laughs> yeah, like well, I guess as as a main event star, main event status star to hold the title. Yeah, Yoko is probably the best guy. Yeah, he's and I think like you know, there's there's an argument to be made that Hart beating Hogan is a is a big thing, but um, I don't know. You know, just like he's. If he loses it, then he leaves like he did. I don't know. I think Hart's got to beat Yokozuna for it. Makes sense. I guess we might as well go back to 1993. I guess we were stayed in 93. We might as well go into the main event match with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Right. I wrote down that Shine gained the early advantage, but that didn't last too long. Yeah, I thought it was really back and forth, and it was super fast-paced early. Yeah, and, yeah, I know. Yeah, super fast paced, and the match was brought to the outside when Sean went went outside. Mm-hmm. Can't remember how Sean went outside, but I probably escaped Marty somehow. Then Marty hit a beautiful baseball slide and jumped over the top rope, hit Michaels with a cross body block. Yeah, I wrote Marty's on fire baseball slide. Then he skinned the cat, and then he. <laughs> Uh, went off the ropes and did a did a plancha. Yeah, that was that was a great sequence by Marty Jannetty. <laughs> then, uh, do you have any notes between that spot and the other time when Shaw went out to the outside? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I won. Oh, just a nice head scissor from Marty. He did that too. And then I wrote. Um, that's just kind of interest. It's just kind of an interesting dynamic of Marty being in control for like the first five to six minutes. Um, you know, not always can a match uh, develop well when the good guy's in control that much or that large of a percentage. But I think Michaels does a good job of just kind of running around and you know, being afraid of Marty, and uh, it comes across well. It's kind of an interesting structure. Yeah, because I know, uh, talk about, you know, Sean being afraid of Marty, that another time that Sean went, rolled outside to the outside, Sean went and grabbed his belt and tried to leave, but Mr. Perfect came out with his collar popped up <laughs> and made made him go back to the ring. Yes. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you, why was Mr. Collar's, Mr. Perfect's collar popped for his appearance? Um, to show his power. Was Mr. Perfect the perfect pimp? (laughs) (laughs) 
Is that what his character really is? He's the original Godfather. Well, I don't know. Cause I just, you know, I was thinking, you know, with his collar popped, you know, I try to think of something funny to say, and that's the first thing I thought of. You know, Mr. Perfect as the perfect pimp. Yeah, the big time perfect pimp. He had, and it was like open. It was like a white sweater, and it was it was just a ridiculous just look in general. Then yeah, then uh yeah yeah, Mr. Perfect came out yeah right before right before the commercial break, and we came back and yeah, the action was back in the ring and. Marty had the advantage until Sean hit the stun gun on Marty. Which was, you know, Sean pretty much picked up Marty and, you know, kind of dropped him on the top rope, having the top rope pretty much uh, close on Marty Jannetty. Yeah, and he did a few moves based around the ropes. He kind of took it to the ropes. He did that, and then he draped in between the, right over the middle rope. And uh, what do you know what that move's called where you run and you jump with your leg onto their back? Big Boss Man did that a lot. I think like the running knee strike or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know, but that look he did that and uh what else did he he choked him with the with the rope as well, so Okay, then yeah, it was pretty back and forth match then uh after a couple of roll ups, Sean hit Marty with a sweet chin music. Right. They went and taunted Mr. Perfect, and Perfect threw his perfect towel at Sean, causing the perfect distraction, <laughs> giving, letting Marty hit the schoolboy for the victory. Yeah. Then, yeah and, and right before that, I wanted to say, like, uh, Marty hit a really, really, really nice power slam on Michaels for a two-count. So, yeah, before we go into the rating of the match, what is your thoughts on... I know we talked about the Marty and Sean feud before on a on a previous podcast, but what is your thoughts on their match from this episode of Raw and other matches that you saw that those two had together? Well, all the all the matches that I've seen that these two have had together have been tremendous. They have they work great together. Uh, they're both very good in the ring, and yeah, that's I guess my thoughts. Is whenever they're together. They always have good matches. Okay. I rated this match three stars. Okay. I I went a little higher. I went three and three quarters. Because I feel like this match was a classic match between the two, and I absolutely love this match. Yeah, right. I went. I was looking back through my notes, and I saw that I ranked um, that Ric Flair-Mr. Perfect match four stars. I think this one is just right below that. So that's why I went three and three quarters. Yeah, because, yeah, I uh, can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, I, I remember emailing you earlier this week about this match and how this match had me hooked enough that I had a tough time taking my eyes away from the screen to take notes about this match. Yeah, it was it was darn good, yeah, for sure. Then, uh, yeah, the show closes, see Mr. Perfect's towel in the ring, and announcers put over the Raw the following week. So yeah, that was this week's edition of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, and you you mentioned before that um, it was on that top twenty disc of the top twenty Raws. I can definitely see why it had um, at least two, well, really three really good matches. Um, the uh, quite good promo from Sean that set up the the Marty 
a deal at the end. You know, and it has uh, Bobby talking about toilet paper. What's wrong with with uh, Bobby's toilet paper talk? <laughs> Nothing adds to it. <laughs> then we might as well go into the the jobber of the of the week. My jobber had to be the team of Tony Vaja and Glenn Ruth. Okay, my jobber is just Tony Vaja. Fair. I thought Glenn Ruth carried that match. He was the best performer in the ring, and that counts Billy and Bart. Well, fine, he I'll take gets away... He the ring about 30 seconds in. Okay, I'll scratch off Glenn Ruth, and I'll agree with you on Tony Vaja. Okay, 100% agree with on Tony Vaja. Just because yeah. Glenn Ruth would become something of himself later on. Yes, right, right. My main event status star for this podcast has to be oh oh Sean (laughs) once again the heartbreak kid the intercontinental champion the guy who defends intercontinental title anywhere anytime against anybody Sean Michaels I was really really close to giving Sean Michaels the nod as that Um, I went with uh, Marty Gennady though so, isn't, isn't that for funny? much of the same reason? I thought he really came out with fire. I thought he did a great job uh, working that match. So I find that funny because I think, besides this being, I think the second episode, I said Shawn Michaels was the main event status star. I think this is also now the second podcast you have as Marty Jannetty as your main event status star. Oh, big Marty Jannetty fan! What can I say? Oh, oh, Shawn. <laughs> Then uh, we might as well go into the top five list, and uh, I picked it out for this week. And just be, you know, just like we talked about before, that I've noticed that every episode of Raw that we watched so far, between '93 and '95, the Intercontinental Champion made an appearance on every episode. So even if it's an interview or run-in, a match or whatever, compared to the WWF Champion who is pretty much non-existent. So I wanted to do a top five. Intercontinental Champions West. Yep, I like this one. It was fun picking out. Uh, I guess uh, I can start out for with my number five. It, it's a two-way tie with Triple H and The Rock. Interesting. I'll, they, t- I'll tell you why in a in a second. Yeah, I. That's a cool way to go. Okay, go for it. My, yeah, the Triple H and The Rock are my number five because the Intercontinental Title E. Value or bumped up both stars into main event status stars and helped their feud. And I believe that, you know, those two f- facing each other and, you know, and, well, I guess holding the title and facing each other between 97 and 98 gave the title, made the title mean something in 98. And I feel like the, t- the Intercontinental title helped their feud out a lot, especially at Summer 7, 1998 for their ladder match. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great match. We talked about it at the SummerSlam podcast, but right. So, yeah, so because I was thinking, you know, I guess for this list, I kind of thought of, you know, when I think about best intercontinental champions, who are the top five champions? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll talk about my number one when we get to it, but I was thinking, you know, just trying to think of like first time periods for intercontinental champions and, you know, fight for the late 90s, early 2000s, I thought of The Rock and Triple H at the same time. That's why I had to give them a, the two-way tie for my number five. 
Right. That's a, that's a good choice. Who's your number five? Okay, my number five, I'm sure it's a guy who's going to be later in your countdown, but my number five is through my count, maybe the person who's held it the most times, nine-time champion Chris Jericho. Good choice, good choice. Okay, yep. And I thought he, even you know, even though as when you look at the list, the reigns get shorter and shorter and shorter, um, he is one that when you think about the 2000s, you know, from when he debuted in 1999 up until, you know, all the way into 2011, 2012, when you think about Intercontinental Champions, it's him, or he's one of them. And, uh, you know, he had a, he had a, lots of great matches with a variety of, po- of opponents, even you know, making having some great matches with China, with Jeff Jarrett, you know, just doing a, a good job that way and really kind of carrying a lot of those attitude era cards that were kind of crappy at the top. So yeah, yeah I, I enjoy your number five pick. <laughs> my number four has to be the, well, I guess one could say he is a perfect intercontinental oh. champion. Mr. Perfect. Great. That was one that just narrowly missed the cut for me. Yeah. Cause you know, kind of like with triple H and the rock, you know, Mr. Perfect, brought up the Intercontinental title when he held, held the title. And I was, you know, I wanted to pick Mr. Perfect because he, he, guys like him and Bret Hart in the early, I guess, late 80s, early 90s, showed that Intercontinental title was a worker's title. Mm. And I feel like Perfect was probably the perfect choice to be on my list for that. And, yeah, because, you know, when I think of, like, the early 90s, like 89, 90, 91, 92, I think for Eric all title mid-card status, I think about Mr. Perfect. Because right. he can have a great match with just about anybody. And yeah. I feel like he helped carry the Intercontinental division during that time. Good choice. Who's your number four? All right, my number four... Uh, one that you mentioned, and I had a tough time choosing between your your two number fives for this slot. Um, I went with The Rock for number okay. four. I just thought, for me, this one I kind of try to pick one that uh, for each number for each of the five kind of that exemplifies a different role of the uh, the uh, uh, Intercontinental Champion. For me, for number four for The Rock, it really shows kind of the. Uh, the transition of a person from mid-card to, you know, heavyweight championship status. And I think Rock's, you know, feud with Triple H really put him there and really kind of catapulted him up the up the ranks. I like I like, like your choice and I like your description. <laughs> Thank you. My number three likes to take surveys. Okay, and cool. And the survey says one more for the bad guy. Nice. My number three is Razor Ramon. Nice. Because, you know, because of his feuds with, you know, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, and Jeff Jarrett, when he was Intercontinental Champion, I feel like, yeah, he had to be on my list. And I feel like that, uh, yeah, like, 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 for, like, the, I guess, mid 90s, like 94, 5, 96, I think of Razor as Intercontinental Champion. Because okay. I, I think I mentioned before on the podcast, I used to rent WrestleMania 10 a lot on VHS from my local video store for, 
during those years. And I was pissed off every time I watched the ladder match between him and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10. And I got pissed off every time when the finish came. When Shawn got pushed off the ladder, got his foot tied up between the top and middle rope. And Razor climbed up the ladder and won the titles. And Razor? Yeah, yeah, Razor, yeah. Yeah, you didn't like him? I, I didn't, well, and I was a big Shawn Michaels fan back then. It pissed oh. me off that each time... I watched the tape and Razor won. I expected somehow Sean to win the title each time, each, every time I rewatched the tape. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, cause I just think of, you know, Razor as Intercontinental Champion during, during you know, the mid-90s, and I think he was the first guy to win the Intercontinental title, I think, either four or five times. Okay. So, yeah, that's why I had to pick Razor as my number three. Nice. Okay, my number three um, is Bret Hart. Uh, that kind of the, as you mentioned, uh, you know, taking the the Intercontinental Championship and turning it kind of in the into the Workers Title, the one who, um, where you expect long matches, where you expect um, a lot of uh, you know high uh, kind of technical ability. For me, that's all about uh, Bret Hart, and I thought, again, um, you know, he served that role really well, and it pushed him toward toward being in the main event. Okay, my number two has to be Ah, ah, Sean. Had to be, you know, Sean Michaels because, yeah, you know, kind of like with, I guess my early choice is that, you know, Sean Michaels, you know, when I think of Sean Michaels in the, you know, early part of his career, I think of Intercontinental Champion in the early 90s, early to mid 90s. Nice. And yeah, you know, he had great matches, you know, with Perfect a little bit, you know, a few matches, you know, with Diesel, with, Sean, with Razor Moan and, and all that. And I just, I feel like we're getting, you know, I think Sean gave up the Intercontinental title at least once. But I just feel like that, that, that you know, the few rides that we review with Sean wrestling, that he helped carry that card in the match that he performed in. And he yeah. had, and yeah, he, I feel like that he showed why the Intercontinental title was a worker's title. Right. Okay, Shawn Michaels is also my number two. And. As we as we're seeing with these early Raws, he's almost you know the face of the company. He's like the cha- you know he is the champion right now, who's on TV and he's the one who's defending his title. Um, and you can almost see you know that that interview that you were quoting before. Now I kind of realize maybe that was a dig at Hogan. He defends that title anywhere, anytime, against anybody, whereas Hogan's not defending it about any, you know, against anybody. And how, yeah, I thought I heard that they originally wanted him to hold it through SummerSlam and drop it to Bret Hart at SummerSlam. Sure, and yeah. It's not like that Hogan didn't want to. Right, so, you know, he's, not only is he carrying the, the title, but he's really almost carrying the company right now, so I think he's doing an awesome job, and that's why he's my number two. My number one is... Break down the walls of Jericho. <laughs> well, it's like Billy Gunn. I <laughs> uh, know. My number one is Chris Jericho. Like, <laughs> look at that dog, dirty dog. Uh, yeah, my number one has to be Chris Jericho because, kind of like what you mentioned for your number five when you listened to him as, as uh, your number five, that Jericho is the most reigning Intercontinental Champion with nine title runs, 
And mm-hmm. you know, his feud with China. I remember him in China and Hardcore Holly had a three-way dance at Royal Rebel 2000. And then, right. Like, WrestleMania 2000 when they had him, Angle, and Benoit in a two-falls two match with the European and Intercontinental title. Then That was a really good match. I yeah, remember that. Jericho's feud with Rey Mysterio, I think 2008-2009 for the Intercontinental title. I just feel like, like you said, Jericho brings out the best out of his well, any challenger that he had. I feel like, you know, like especially during his last few times he held the Intercontinental title, try to he helped try to give the Intercontinental title more meaning, like it once did in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Jericho is my number one pick. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good good selection. So my number one really really goes against the grain of what we've been saying. You know, we've been saying all these uh, folks who. Um, were really good workers in the ring. Don't, don't did, say you picked slap nuts for your number one. No, 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 no. So they, they're all they're all great workers. Well, this guy definitely not a great worker. Um, we all also the next the other thing we said is that they use the Intercontinental title to really catapult their way up the card. This guy did not do that either. He stayed as a mid carder for the rest of his career. However, when I think Intercontinental Champion, I think this guy, and he will never let you think any different, Honky Talk Man. <laughs> that, good, good choice. You know, still the longest reigning, and just like I said, I was, I was thinking, who do I think of when I think Intercontinental Champion? It's got to be him. I got long side birds in my hair slicked back. I got come to your town in a pink Cadillac. I'm just a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. I'm just a honky tonk man. He's a honky tonk man. I'm the honky tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. Yeah, so just got to go with him. Whether you like him or not, he's he's my greatest intercontinental champion. I At first, I thought you were going to say Carlito Caribbean cool. <laughs> No. So I'm happy you picked HTM. Right. You got it, man. I am surprised I never thought of the Honky Tonky Man. <laughs> it's okay. But, so yeah, so we, I guess we might as well go into, uh, do you have any closing comments for the podcast this week? I do not. Okay, I guess we might as well go into the plugs for this week. We also, you know, follow or like us on Facebook at facebook.com. Uh, slash main event status radio. No, for me on uh, Twitter, it's Dirty Dog MES. That's dog as in D A W G, Dirty Dog MES. Beverly, how can people follow you on Twitter? At Beverly Hills MES. Then I'll see, uh, yeah, we are on iTunes, people. I don't know how many of you guys listen to, listen to us through our podcast. Yeah, search, uh, search us out on iTunes, main event status radio. Subscribe us there. That way, that way, whenever the show is posted, edited, and all that, uploaded, you will be streamed right to your computer and to your uh, MP3 player. And also, on our website, maineventstatus.com. That is maineventstatus.com. <laughs> so, so I guess that's episode six in the books. Raw from 1993. May 17th, 1993, episode number 17. So I guess that's it for uh, Beverly Hills. This is the Dirty Dog. And I'll talk to you guys after the matches. You're having fun, aren't you?